Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. Uh, Today's message is entitled Dealing with Disappointment. Right? I mean, that's what we experienced not being able to go on our trip to Israel. Like, you experience this disappointment. And as you look at the life that's around us right now, a lot of people are disappointed. And a lot of people are kind of like hiding themselves and, and t- like pulling themselves away from so many things in life because of the disappointment that we experience. I mean, anybody in here, just show of hands, dealt with disappointment in your life. <clears throat> okay, good. So we're all in the same boat. We've all been disappointed. Some of you are disappointed you had to raise your hand, right? So when you think about it, I mean, disappointment strikes all the time. In fact, Pastor John really knows about disappointment because um, yesterday, in fact, John experienced a lot of disappointment. His favorite football club, Chelsea, lost to West Ham United, and they fell out of first place in the Premier League. And so Pastor John's dealing with a lot of disappointment. He's probably thinking about switching teams. I would, at least, you know, it's probably a sign, but... The thing that I want to deal with today is disappointment's a part of life. It's going to be a part of our lives. The question is, how do we deal with disappointment? How do we biblically look at disappointment and go, okay, what is God really doing here? What is happening? And sometimes disappointment is a delay. Sometimes disappointment is a no. But I want us to understand that so many people, disappointment can become an anchor that holds you down. Disappointment can become a prison that you can't recover from if you don't respond in the proper way. And let me just tell you something. The enemy wants to use disappointment all the time to try to keep you stuck in life. And so today what my hope is and my prayer is is that you guys will be able to look at your disappointment in a new way. And it doesn't mean like I'm not that Christian that's like you are of little faith if you never experience disappointment. Like if you experience disappointment, you just don't believe God enough. Because today, we're going to look at Jesus' disappointment. We're going to look at two times that Jesus is actually really disappointed. And you say, oh, I've never thought about that. The Son of God was disappointed in many moments. In fact, as I was thinking about this, we're getting into that, you know, you kind of hit hyperdrive after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving happens, and then you're into getting ready for Christmas, right? Like, the day after Thanksgiving, we were putting up a tree, right? Like, we're ready to go. Some of you, like... Some of you never took your tree down. You were ready this year, like, because the tree was already up. You're like, you know what? We got six more months. It's not even worth it. Let's just keep it up, right? And so, <clears throat> so I was thinking about disappointment in my life. And this is a funny story, but it is a moment where I felt severe disappointment. Um, it was my freshman year of college, and I was home for Christmas break. And uh, when I was in Virginia... I had never really experienced long-term winter, right? Anyone from up north knows long-term winter. And winter gets really dry. And being a Florida guy, I didn't really realize, like, how dried out your body gets from, like, the cold. And so, you know, like, I get windburn, like, my my face felt dry, my skin felt dry. But one thing I really struggled with was two things. I would get bloody noses because my nose was so dry. And then I would also get really chapped lips. Right? And like, I'm not smart because I'm from Florida. So I'd be like, 
licking my lips like, man, I got to get these puppies moisturized. And then like basically the wind would just split them in half, right? And so I was like talking to my mom and she's like, how are you enjoying school? I was like, it's great. Just my lips are so chapped. Like, I don't know what to do. And my mom's like, use chapstick. And I was like, I've gone through like six of them. Like, this isn't working. This is terrible. And she's like, well, do you, something that lasts longer is like petroleum jelly, like Vaseline. I was like, okay, I'll try it out. So I get home for Christmas, and my grandmother, Gran is her name, was her name. Um, she passed away. Um, she got me a gift. And so I got this gift. It's in a nice bag. You know, it's got the tissue paper in it. It's like, okay, this is nice. And, you know, like, grandmas are really good at giving gifts most of the time. And so it was super heavy. Like, when I got the bag, I was like, this is hefty. Like, this is hefty. Like, Grandma, yeah, what you get me? I'm so excited. So, like, you know, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. It's going to be a Merry Christmas, right? So I'm like, okay. And she's like, hey, Blake, it's your turn. Open up that bag. Like, Oprah, like, open up that bag. And I was like, okay. So I pull the tissue paper out, and all I see is, like, a blue lid. And I was like, hmm, hmm, what's that? And I pull out this, I'm going to say vat, okay? Because it wasn't a tub. It was a vat of Vaseline, right? And she's like, I heard your lips were chapped. And I'm like, what college guy is going to show up like, oh, what did you get for Christmas? I got a vat of Vaseline for my grandma for my chapped lips, guys. I'm going to be the Vaseline guy. No one wants to be that guy in college. And so I was like, I looked at it, and I was just, you know, like, you tried not to show your disappointment, but I was like, Thank you for this tub of Vaseline, Grandma. And, and I, I just remember feeling like because all of these expectations and all of this anticipation had built up to where I thought I was going to get something incredible, and I thought it was a, like a bar of gold. It was so heavy. And then I go in there, and it's Vaseline. And I was like so, so, so disappointed. But here's what you have to realize about like disappointment. Disappointment undealt with properly will basically lead you to prison. Because let me just tell you something. Every time my grandma gave me a gift after that, Kelsey and I joke about it still today, I was always worried it was going to be the worst thing. Like every time I would go, I didn't have great anticipation or an excitement. I was actually dreading getting the gift because I was like, I'm going to have to fake this. Like I'm going to have to be like, thanks grandma for this what did you get me this year? You know, like, like, you know, like, and so because of that kind of sense of dread and because my expectations weren't met the first time, I couldn't anticipate anything with joy coming that way. And then disappointment kind of undealt with will lead to kind of this system of things that you'll see how they will kind of lead you to this jail where you're not leading to any kind of anticipation because it will lead to depression, anger, resentment, distrust, fear, and unbelief. I mean, that's where disappointment leads. And let me just ask you, like, where have you been disappointed in your life? Like, have your relationships disappointed you? Has your marriage been disappointing? Has your relationship with your parents been disappointing? Or your siblings? Or maybe you're in a dating relationship, and you're like, this is disappointing, right? Maybe it's your job. I know so many people right now that are just disappointed in their job, right? In fact, we're going through this thing the culture is calling the great resignation. 
people figured out during COVID, like, I don't really like my job, and I don't want to do this anymore, so I'm not going to do it. And p- there's the greatest turnover we've seen in history in jobs. Or what about this? Anybody disappointed in the government? <clears throat> no matter what side of the aisle you're on, like, it's disappointing a lot, right? It's like, can you guys get this right? Like, can we just, like, behave and act upon the benefit of the people? Or what about church? A lot of people leave because they're disappointed in the way church has behaved, in the way that pastors behaved, or the way that, that people inside the church behaved, or, and our expectations weren't met in the way that we thought a church should act. Maybe you're just coming back for the first time in a long time because you're just kind of getting over some things or, or maybe trying to push through some things because you experienced church hurt and you're disappointed. Maybe you're disappointed in yourself. Maybe, like, in January, we're going to probably experience a wave of disappointment, right? Because everybody in January does what? New Year's resolution. I'm going to lose 400 pounds. I'm going to have six-pack abs, and I'm going to go to the gym three times a day, every day of the week, and I'm going to not waste that $10 a month, right? Like, but what's going to happen come February? I didn't go to the gym, I've gained 10 pounds, and uh, like I don't have the money in my bank account because I've been eating out so much to pay the $10 gym fee. And there's this season of disappointment in your life. And then there's one other area that I think many of us deal with disappointment. And you're going to say, this might shock you, but how many of us are disappointed in God? That we've experienced some kind of disappointment in our life that we thought God should have done something differently. The way he did it, how it happened, what went on. Why, like, why would you do this? Why would you get me here? And I think we've all probably asked those questions in our life. And so my question to you is, is where is disappointment locking you into a certain place in time? See, some of us are stuck 10 years back. We're stuck in a moment that we were disappointed and we haven't been able to move forward. We haven't been able to overcome this disappointment in our life. And let me just tell you, I really firmly believe that that is what is happening in our culture right now. I actually read um, BuzzFeed. You guys know what BuzzFeed is? They always have like these weird tests and like these weird articles that are just funny. But I read one um, two nights ago that was um, why people left the church. And you know what? I mean, if I just wanted to like if I was going to retitle the article, my disappointment in the church. It was all just how the church did not lead to great, to to their expectation of what people had of them. And so where are you stuck in your life right now? Like, I know this. I could be stuck in the fact that, guys, we found out we weren't going to Israel 45 minutes before I was in Miami. I was on my way to go to the hotel to stay the night, and I get a call from my dad, and he's like, hey, there's breaking news. Israel closed our borders because of COVID. So I was like, I guess I'm going to stay the night at an airport hotel in Miami. Like, what does this mean? <clears throat> right? I mean, and I could let that and allow that to con- completely dominate my life. And so where are you allowing disappointment to conquer you, to control you? Because that's exactly what the enemy wants. Sin is disappointing. As soon as sin entered the world, disappointment entered it too. And so you and I are going to have to realize this is something we're going to deal with, but it's not something that has to control us. See, because disappointment comes when expectations aren't met. 
That's exactly what happens. There's a part of our life, there's a moment in our life where the expectation wasn't met. And there's one of two things. Either your expectation was right or your expectation was wrong. How many of us have to realize that we've heaped disappointment on in our lives because our expectations weren't correct? Like, I don't know about you, but maybe part of the reason you're disappointed in yourself is because you think you're going to be perfect. That's your expectation of you. Your body will be perfect. Your mind will be perfect. You'll never say the wrong thing. You'll never do the wrong thing. The scale will always be perfect. What you eat will always be perfect. Your bank account will always be perfect. And because you expect perfection of yourself, you're constantly disappointed in yourself. You don't trust yourself anymore. You don't believe that the future can get better because you're locked in all of these disappointments in your life. But here's the great thing about disappointment. Disappointment can be used as a tool in our life to help us realign. Disappointment can go and cause us to reflect on life and look at it and go, why in the world did I feel that way? Like, why am I disappointed? Why am I hurting? Why am I feeling this way? Was my disappointment even accurate? How many of us know that's what happens so much in your relationships and in your life? In fact, as I was studying this in disappointment, I ran across this blog where this guy vlog, like he, he, he's a YouTuber, and he's lived in Paris for the past two years. And he said, is Paris overrated? That, was the, that grabbed my attention. So I watched it, and he said, I've been living in Paris for two years, and I want to let you know if it's overrated. Because honestly, Paris is probably one of the most romanticized cities in the world. Right? Like, that's it. Paris. Right? Like, but no one tells you when you go to the Eiffel Tower, you're probably going to get pickpocketed. <clears throat> okay? No one tells you that there's parts of Paris you don't go to because the police don't go to those neighborhoods. No one tells you that when you go to the Eiffel Tower now, there's three-inch bulletproof glass around the entire base of it now. No one tells you, like, I was leading a group of students there probably uh, four or five years ago, and we were on the subway, um, and we were on our way to the Louvre, and I get a text message because I was in Paris a few years ago when at the airport I arrived at the day before, uh, terrorists pulled out guns and shot police. Then 20 minutes later, there was a cop who pulled over a guy, and they pulled out a gun and shot a police officer. And while we were on the tube, this was all happening around the city, there were four incidents that morning where people had taken guns and killed police officers in the street. I was in the airport the day before that, in that airport. And as we were going to the Louvre, I had someone there getting us tickets to bring in 30 students. We were two stops away from the Louvre exit, and I get a text message. Don't get off the train at the Louvre. They've just locked down the entire building. They're looking for a terrorist inside the museum. So I go to the next stop. I was like, hey, guys, no one get off the train at the next stop. We're not getting off the train. Five minutes later, I get another text message, all clear. Disappointing things happen in your life. Like, things aren't going to go well, and, and things aren't going to be okay. And so Paris, like, that kind of ruins the romanticism of Paris when you can't get off the tube to go to the greatest art museum in the world because there's possibly a terrorist in the building. Right? Like, that kind of takes away the romance of it, right? And so we, we don't do that. And there's actually this literal psychiatric condition called the Paris Syndrome. This is how prevalent disappointment is in our culture. 
It happens mainly to people from Japan and South Korea, but this is a physical, psychiatric condition that happens to people who romanticize Paris. This is called the Paris Syndrome, and listen to what happens to people when they get to Paris and their expectations aren't met on what they thought it would be like. This is what happens. The syndrome is characterized by a number of psychiatric symptoms, such as acute delusional states. They go delusional. They hallucinate. Feelings of persecutions or perceptions of being a victim of prejudice, aggression, and hostility from others. Derealization, they detach from reality. Depersonalization, they detach from their ego and their identity. Anxiety, and also psychosomatic manifestations such as dizziness, tachycardia, sweating, and vomiting. This is all related to the fact that people get to Paris and it just doesn't meet up to their expectation. Now, let me ask you something. Like, are there parts of Paris that are awful? Yes. Is Paris a great place? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of my favorite places to go in the world, but you have to have proper expectations to have a proper experience. I mean, how many of us walked in, if you're married in here, you walked into marriage and you thought, this is going to be the easiest thing ever. These people are awesome. That person is great. And then you get into the house and you're like, you're, you're a slob. Like, you leave stuff everywhere. Like, my wife will tell you, I'm notorious at making the clothes next to the hamper. Like, I get it close. I don't get it quite in. I get it close, right? But all of these expectations that you have about marriage and relationships and all of these things kind of tend to be dealt with very quickly. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in this area of life where the romance is over. And now I'm living in what I didn't expect. And so today we're going to look at how Jesus dealt with disappointment. So if you have a Bible with you, if you open up to Luke chapter 9, um, we're going to look at this moment where Jesus is completely disappointed in the disciples. Let me catch you up on what's happening in the Bible coming up to this point. So in Luke chapter 9, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples to go into the world and do ministry to cast out demons, to heal people, to do all of these things. After he does that, he then does the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, right? With five loaves and two fish, Jesus feeds 5,000, the Bible says, men, which means that there's probably fifteen to 20,000 people total that Jesus feeds, right? The disciples, the, that is the only miracle that's found in all four Gospels of the Bible, the feeding of the 5,000. Right? Then it goes to the Mount of Transfiguration. And right before that, Jesus confesses that, that Jesus is the Messiah. You are the Savior of the world. And then the Mount of Transfiguration is where Jesus shows up with Moses and Elijah. And three of the disciples get to see Jesus in all of his glory. And then that's where we find ourselves. So that's like a big chapter, right? A lot of big things happen. Ministry, feeding 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish someone confessing that Jesus is the Messiah, seeing Jesus in his glory with two dead dudes, Moses and Elijah. And then as they're coming down the mountain, there's disappointment. How many of us know many times when you get to the top of the mountain and see things in great clarity, you know that there's a disappointment waiting for you when you get down? So listen to what the Bible says. Luke chapter 9, verse 37. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain... Mountain of Transfiguration, a great crowd met him. That's Jesus. And behold, a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, not Lord, teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. 
And behold, a spirit seizes him. And suddenly he cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and shatters him. What a descriptive word. These seizures and these things that this boy is experiencing because of this unclean spirit, the dad describes it as, it shatters my son. Now look what happens. It shatters him and it will hardly leave him. Verse 40, this is important. And I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. We're going to just stop right there. Can you imagine being Jesus, who you've spent time with the disciples for over a year, you've shown them miracles, you just sent the 12 out to go cast out demons, to heal people, and to do ministry. You just fed 5,000 people or 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish. You just showed three of the disciples who you were in glory, and you get down off the mountain, and you hear that this guy had to beg your disciples to try to heal their son, and they couldn't do it. I mean, have you ever spent time with somebody for such a long time trying to teach them to do something and they can't do it? And you're like, oh my gosh, could you please just do this? This, I've spent like so much time with you and you don't get it. You don't understand it. And I want you to think for just a second. Jesus showed himself in his glory and now he has to come down to this failure. I mean, talk about disappointing. And you're like, is Jesus really disappointed? Yes. Let's look at what he says. Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? He's not talking to the people. He's looking at the disciples. You faithless and twisted generation. He's basically saying like, I've spent so much time with you in this life trying to teach you all of these things and you like... What? Like, why can't you do this? And what if the Bible just stopped there? And Jesus was disappointed, and he shot up to heaven. I'm out of here. Forget this. You guys are awful. We're just going to start over, right? Like, I'm sick of this, right? Like, what if that's Jesus? I'm sick of you. Out of here. Everyone's like, where'd Jesus go? He gone. I don't know. I think he's upset. I think he might have been disappointed. Could you imagine if Jesus allowed disappointment to be a prison for him? Could you imagine if just for a moment he just said, you know what? I'm sick of you. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of being here on this earth. I'm sick of being away from my Father in heaven. I'm sick of being around sin. I'm sick of being around you, you faithless people. I'm out of here. But see, Jesus does something that's so incredible because Jesus had the right expectation of the disciples. I've shown you how to do this. I've given you the power to do it. I've commissioned you to do it. You can do this. My expectation is that you will. My expectation is after all the miracles and all the things that you've seen that you would have the faith to do this. You would have the faith to believe that this person could be healed. But Jesus does the unexpected. See, if, I don't know about you, but like, have you ever disappointed so much in someone so much in life that they called you a faithless and twisted generation? Oh, you faithless and twisted generation. I'd be like, oh, this is not good, right? Like, that's, that's strong. I've never heard that I'm a twisted generation. But have you ever been, felt someone's disappointment in you and it locks you up? Like, it shuts you down, right? Like, 
I was not this kid, but I think Kelsey was. Um, if my parents said I'm disappointed in you, I'm like, get new expectations, right? Like, my wife is more like, you're disappointed in me. I'm crushed. I will go put myself in a timeout, and I will punish myself for the rest of my life. Just don't be disappointed in me. I'm more like, get new expectations. But what happens here is Jesus immediately does what so many of us don't. Notice what he says. He doesn't miss a beat. He looks at the disciples, and he says, oh, you faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? Like, I'm, this is hard. This is hard for me to be with you because this is disappointing. But then he says this, bring your son here. He immediately rebukes them, and then he goes, hey, but bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon threw him to the ground and convulsed him. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. <clears throat> Look at what happened. And all were astonished at the majesty of God. Jesus does exactly what you and I need to do when we experience disappointment in others. He continues to love. He lovingly expresses his disappointment. How many of us are stuck in disappointment because we won't express it to other people? Like we, you know, that's probably one of the most unfair things you can do to people in life is to have expectations of people and not tell them what they are because you don't set them up to win. You only set them up to lose. And then you hold them accountable. You say, this is my expectation of you, but I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to be incredibly mad at you and hold it against you, and I'm not going to talk to you, and I'm going to give you the silent treatment, and I'm going to let you know that I'm physically mad. Or <clears throat> when the person asks, why are you upset? You say, oh, you don't know. You'll figure it out, and then you walk out. You leave the person in jail. Do you guys realize that's what the Ten Commandments is? The Ten Commandments is God clearly expressing to us, hey, here's the expectation. You're not going to murder. You're not going to lie. You're not going to commit adultery. And you're like, well, I haven't done any of those things. And Jesus goes, no, it's the heart of the matter. You're not going to hate people in your heart. You're not going to look with lust. You're not going to lie. You're going to honor your father and mother. It's probably none, no one in this generation does that. Right? Like, that's the reality. You're going to worship idols. And you're like, no, I don't worship any idols. Yeah, I bet some of us worship our bank account. I bet you the one thing that causes us to make all of our decisions is our paycheck. That's an idol. So Jesus and God clearly says, hey, I'm going to be really gracious to you. I'm going to let you know the expectation so that you can have a clear understanding of why I might be upset. And so for so many of us, let me ask you a question. Are you stuck in your disappointment because your pride is stopping you from loving others enough to let go and to keep loving them? See, because when we won't <clears throat> forgive people Here's what we're saying. I love me more than I love you. Here's the crazy thing about it. You don't really love yourself if you're unforgiving. Why? Because how many of you right now are thinking about a person who hurt you deeply in this life and you have not forgiven them and you're mad? You're sad. You're angry. You're furious. You're saying in your head, Pastor, you don't know what they did to me. I could never forgive them. My disappointment is so deep that I haven't been able to trust other people in my life. Who's in person? Them or you? Because you're controlled right now 
They're not. They don't know what you're thinking or feeling right now unless they're next to you. And if they're next to you, just squeeze their hand, right? Let them know. This is me and you, okay? It's time to forgive. It's time to let go. It's time to do what Jesus did and choose to keep loving. And loving is a choice. It's always a choice. Love is not a feeling. It's a choice. Because you're going to be disappointed by people. Does that mean you stop loving them? Love is a commitment. And so these disappointments and expectations, here's how I would entitle them. Things should have been different. Things should have been different. Like, it it shouldn't be this way. And how many of us feel that way about something in life? There shouldn't be any more wars. There shouldn't, God, why would you, why couldn't the Transformer Omicron come two weeks later? Why did they have to discover it now? I don't know, but I know that yesterday someone was stabbed at the Damascus Gate and they shot a terrorist at the Damascus Gate and we were supposed to be in Jerusalem yesterday. Did God preserve our life because of that? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is I didn't have that expectation getting there. Actually, we don't take people to the Damascus Gate because that happens sometimes. But here's the deal. Maybe, yes, you're disappointed right now, but maybe God was saving you from something worse. Is that your expectation of who God is? Because you can be sad, but you don't have to be overwhelmed. You don't have to be overcome. you got to keep choosing to love. But what about when it's not just like, hey, it shouldn't be this way. What about when it's not me, it's not you, it's me. It's my expectation wasn't right. My expectation wasn't okay. Because here's the reality. Some of you are setting yourselves up for disappointment all the time because you have terrible expectations. In the Bible, we're going to go to the cross. Now, I don't think Jesus had wrong expectations here. I think what Jesus was experiencing in this moment was worse than he expected. I think his human side of feeling separation from the Father in this moment was bigger than he expected, and he was expressing it. But I don't think that Jesus was unaware. I don't think this marks his imperfection or anything like that. I think what this is doing is showing us what and how we respond when we have wrong expectations. Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, he's on the cross, with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma, Shabbatheon. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? Why do I not feel this community with you? Now, if we were Hebrew and we were understanding this, this is a direct quote from somewhere else in the Bible. This verse the, right here is a direct quote from Psalm chapter 22. The psalm starts off with this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's David who's writing to God because he's hiding in this area called En Gedi, and he's hiding in caves, and God said, when you slay Goliath, you'll become a king. But the road from slaying Goliath to becoming King David was a long road because there's this dude named Solomon, and Solomon was disappointed that he wasn't going to be king anymore. So Solomon, in his disappointment, goes into a jail, goes crazy, and is trying to hunt down and kill David. So David, who is the promised king, the rightful heir to the throne, is hiding in caves in the wilderness. And David writes this psalm, My God, my God, why have you left me? I mean, everyone ever felt that way? 
You had a promise, but maybe the promise is delayed. Or maybe you misread the promise. Maybe you misread part of what was going on. Maybe you, you didn't quite understand your expectation wasn't quite right. And you just, you look at God and you go, where are you? Why have you left me? Was God with David in the cave? A hundred percent. Was the cave meant to prepare David to be the king? One hundred percent. No one expects that you're going to go through suffering to build your character to get you where you need to be. Maybe the reason you're going through what you're going through right now is because God is preparing you. We talk about this all the time. The, the Bible says that we are clay in the potter's hands, but no one talks about what it's like to go from a brick of clay to a vase. There's a lot of kneading, a lot of pressure, a lot of shaping, a lot of forming, a lot of things that might hurt. But in order to get to where the vase needs to be from the block, there's a lot of things that need to happen in preparation. Maybe that's where you are right now. You just didn't expect that you'd have to get prepared. Wrong expectation. Because here's the reality. If you read this book, everybody goes through a desert season. Everybody finds themselves in a desert. Anybody who's going to do something great for God, which I believe every person in this room is called to do something great for God, will go through a desert. Why? Because that's God's refining furnace where he prepares you for what is to come, right? Because what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? And prepares you for the call that is ahead. Do you have that expectation? But here's this incredible thing about this psalm that Jesus quotes right here because it, the whole psalm is basically about why have you left me? Why aren't you with me? Why are my enemies seeming to prosper? Why is everything going wrong? What is happening? Like, <clears throat> I'm alone in a cave writing a poem. This is awful. I should be leading a kingdom. I'm running for my life. Where are you, God? But Jesus wants to point us to the exact thing when our disappointment is in the wrong expectation. Because when our disappointment is in the wrong expectation, Jesus says, you have to look towards God. Because it's not what's happening, it's who. And this psalm ends at the end with this. Psalm 22, verses 22 to 24. This is what David, this is how David's heart turns from his disappointment. Look at what David does. I will tell you of your name, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred, that means hated, the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. Those two verses, or three verses, are what we would call a victory praise in the Bible. He goes, I'm disappointed, I'm in a cave, my life is terrible, but I don't understand this, this isn't meeting my expectation, I'm disappointed, but I believe in God. See, because when you're disappointed, not only do you need to keep loving, you need to keep trusting. You need to keep trusting. And here's how I know that Jesus did this, and I believe why Jesus is pointing towards Psalm 22. Matthew chapter 27, verse 50. So Jesus, is a, he says, why have you forsaken me? And this is about where he's about to die. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Mark and Matthew say the exact same thing, that Jesus cries out one more time in a loud voice and dies. Luke is the only one who gives us a clue to what Jesus cries out. 
Here's what Jesus cries out. Luke chapter 23, verse 46. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I'm disappointed. This is hard. This hurts. I'm about to die, but I trust you. I give my soul into your hands. And having said this, he breathed his last. Jesus shows us exactly what we are to do when our expectation isn't right. This is harder than I thought it would be. This isn't the way that I thought it would be. This, is, this isn't, I don't like this feeling. This is terrible. This is worse. But I'm going to trust you. See, because when you trust the Lord, that's your rope to get out. Because here's what you've got to do. When you trust the Lord, you're going to do it the Lord's way. And when you do it the Lord's way, he's going to lead you on paths of righteousness and get you out of your despair. And he'll shift your perspective, and he'll move you from disappointment to discernment. Oh, my expectation wasn't right. I mean, how many of you hear from churches these days, hey, you're going to suffer sometimes. Life, it's going to get hard. There's going to be days you want to quit. There's going to be moments that don't make sense. There's going to be nights that, that hurt. There's going to be days where I feel far from you, and I'm not. I mean, Jesus even promises, hey, just want to let you know, when the world hates you, remember that it hated me first, but just have hope because I've overcome the world. Is it, does it feel hurtful when the world hates you? Yeah. How many of us are afraid to post certain things online because you just don't want to deal with trolls? I don't want to, that's disappointing, right? People are disappointing. And so what do we do? We not only now continue to love, we continue to trust. And I think that's where a lot of things have gone astray in our culture and maybe in our lives. So what do you do when you're disappointed by others? Like, what, what do you actually do? Well, the first question you've got to ask, is it me or is it them? Like, is it me or is it them? Because here's the reality. Clarity is key to not being disappointed. Here's a common thing probably happens in a lot of marriages, happens in mine. Kelsey will say something from the kitchen. Blake, yes, wife, I hear you, my love. What do you need? She says, hey, can you take out the trash? I'd love to do that. I would love to take this heaping pile of rotting food and take it out to a can outside. I'd love to do that. It's my favorite thing. So she, so she pulls the trash out of the can and puts it next to it, puts the new bag in, right? Now, here's what happens. I say, yes, I will. But this seems like a very open-ended conversation in an open-ended timeline, right? Like, yes, I will at some point in, in the future take this trash out. Do not dismay. I hear you, and I'm willing. Here's the problem. Kelsey means take out the trash now, right? She said it nicely. Can you do this? And so what we realized, so here's what would happen. This is early on in our marriage. This never happens now. <laughs> never. It didn't even happen this past week. I don't even know. So, because I've learned, right? I've learned. Communication's key. I don't want disappointment. So what happens is, is I would say, yep, no problem, and I'd keep watching a show, working on the computer, whatever. Kelsey would say again, hey, Blake, can you take out the trash? Yeah, no problem. I heard you the first time. I'm responding. Yes, I will take out the trash. No clarity on timeline. Ten minutes later, huffing and puffing, cabinet slamming. I hear a rustle. 
I hear the door open, she gone, trash is gone, and she comes in upset. And I'm like, did I do something wrong? Yeah, you didn't take out the trash. No, I said I would take out the trash. Yeah, but I wanted you to do it now. Oh, then say now, <clears throat> right? Like, and I do the same thing. Hey, can we do this? What I mean is, can we do this now? Can this happen today? I, it happens with your kids all the time. Hey, pick up your room. They're like 20 years, I'll pick it up. Okay, no problem. What we mean is like, pick up your room now. See, here's the deal. We're set up for failure because in our relationships, we don't properly express our expectation, and then we hold people accountable to things that we never communicated. You're not allowing each other to win. You have the wrong expectation, and you have the wrong communication. So what do you need to do? You need to express it. Now, if Kelsey said to me, Blake, hey, the trash stinks. Can you take it out now? If I said yes, and then I don't do that, it's on me. I did not meet expectation. But if I don't properly express my expectation, it's on you. So many of us are finding ourselves in this moment of our life that we are disappointing ourselves when we're blaming others. But here's the reality. How do you go from like when other people disappoint you, how do you get past it? There's one secret sauce to it. This is what Kelsey and I have chosen to do in our relationship, and it's very simple yet very hard. If you're going to not want to be held down by disappointment in your life, you're going to have to choose to pre-forgive. Forgiveness is never an option for us because it's already given. I'm always going to forgive Kelsey, and Kelsey's always going to forgive me. Why? Because our expectation is we're both sinful people and we're going to mess up. Because we have the proper expectation of what's going to happen in our relationship. We're not in a prison to what happened 10 years ago when I didn't take out the trash. Because let me just tell you something. When we do marital counseling with couples who are on the verge of breaking up, a verge of getting a divorce, do you want to know what comes up a lot of times? 10 years ago, this happened. And we're dealing with a ghost from the past because expectations were never expressed. And let me just tell you something. You're going to never win a battle against the ghost. It's always going to win. So you're going to choose to pre-forgive. And let me just tell you this, because when not only are we disappointed by others, maybe you feel bad because you've disappointed other people. And maybe part of the reason you can't move forward in life is because you feel like you've disappointed God. You feel like, I, I didn't meet the standard. Those Ten Commandments, I broke all of them. Like, I, there's no way you could love me. I've, I've messed up so many times in my life. But you know what the crazy thing is? Pre-forgiveness is a concept of the Bible. Because once you've believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, forgiveness is always offered. It's always there. It's always right in front of you. And so if you feel like right now you can't move forward because with God because you've disappointed him, he's forgiven you. And I can say that with 100% confidence. What about when you feel disappointed in yourself? Confess it. But here's the deal. Some of us, like, okay, there's this movie I watched a few years ago, Austin Powers, okay? Anyone seen Austin Powers? Okay, everyone else is a liar, but that's fine. Okay, and so there's this movie, and there's this, this gentleman in the movie. I'm not going to say his name because I'll get in trouble and someone will write me an email. He's a heavier set gentleman in the movie, okay? And there's a scene in the movie where he begins to talk about why he's upset and why he's more heavy set. 
And I thought, man, whoever knew that you could get wisdom from Austin Powers? But this has stuck with me my whole life. See, because he's disappointed in himself. And he says this line in the movie because he, keep, he keeps trying to eat like people, okay? That's, it's weird, okay. But he says this line where it, the music changes and everything, and Austin Powers looks at him, and the guy goes, you know what, I'm unhappy. And he says, I eat because I'm unhappy, and I'm unhappy because I eat. It's a vicious cycle. See, he's disappointed in himself for doing something he didn't want to do, so what does he do? He disappoints himself to make himself feel better, and then because he's disappointed, he eats again. Right? And it's a vicious cycle. And for some of us in this room, that's the cycle you live in. You're disappointed in yourself, so you run to the one thing that hurts you, but it gives you relief for just a second. And then after you participate in that thing, whatever it may be, you then feel disappointed, and you've got to go back to it. This is what the Bible means when it says that we are like people who are like dogs returning to their vomit. We just keep going back to disappointment, to disappointment. I mean, let me ask you something. Are you disappointed because you expect perfection? How about this? Are you disappointed in yourselves because you don't fit what you think men and women should be like? Well, men should be able to bench 425 pounds. Men, men should be able to grow a beard. That's, I've heard that from a lot of guys. I'm not a man. I can't grow a beard. I'm like, chill out. I don't know. I didn't see where that was like a prerequisite to being a man, Right? I, I don't like sports. Must not be a man. No, that's weird and not right. How about, like, are you holding yourself to these unrealistic expectations? How about body image? This is what I should look like. This is who I should be. This is my expectation. And it's not real. It's not realistic. Or what about what society expects of you? Like, you should have this car and this many kids and this type of dog. And you should live in this type of house. You should make this much money and you should have this much in your bank account and you're not meeting up to these weird societal expectations that aren't clear and aren't accurate. The only way to get over your self-disappointment um, is to bring other people in who can speak into your life, who can say, that's not like a real expectation. That's not a real thing. But finally, as we end, I think this is something that we all have dealt with. What about when I feel disappointed in God? What about when I feel disappointed in the Lord? Like he didn't show up the way that I thought he would. He didn't work this situation out the way that I think he should. He, he didn't reach my, my family. He didn't do this. Why is this happening over there? Why did Satan even ever show up? Like you just start looking at all of these things and you go, you did not respond in the way that I think you should. And because of that, I can't trust you. And because of that, I'm disappointed in you. I'm out of here. I can't do this anymore. Like, you did not show up the way that I needed you to. When you should say, you didn't show up in the way that I wanted you to. My expectation of you was different. This happens in the Bible. It's actually this crazy story, and we're going to look at it quickly. Look at what happens in Mark chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Jesus is teaching, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed. Jesus is teaching the disciples in this moment, this is what's going to happen to me, and this is what's going to happen to the Messiah. And then he says this, and after three days he will rise again. 
and he said this plainly. What that means is Jesus said it so everybody could understand it. It's clear. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise again. Look at what happens in the second part of verse 32. And Peter, we all love Peter, super zealous guy, super uh, strong. His mean, name literally means rock. Petros means rock. Old rock pulls Jesus aside. Verse 32, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. That word rebuke is the same word used when we talked about Jesus rebuking the demon out of the little boy. Peter had a talking to with Jesus. Hey, come here. Hey, what's this talk about you dying? What's this talk about you being betrayed? What's this talk about you rising again? You're here to kill the Romans. You're here to be a king. You're here to reign forever. I need you to shut up. I need you to stop talking this way. You think, that, Pastor, that's strong language. It's the same word used to talk about casting a demon out of somebody. You don't go like, hey, demon, I think you should go. You talk with authority, and that's exactly what the rock does. Hey, get over here. Stop with this stupid talk. I'm sick of it. You're not going to die. You're not going to be betrayed. You're going to come in with the sword, and you're going to win the victory. Stop. Oh, how many of us are Peter? Hey, come here. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of suffering. I'm sick of my bank account not looking right. I'm sick of my relationships being like this. I'm sick of you not answering me. I'm sick of it. You need to shape up and be the Jesus I want you to be. Stop being a fool. I'm sick of this. You're not the God I've built up in my mind. You're not the God of my expectation. And Jesus goes, good. I'm not here to meet your expectation. I'm here to exceed them. Because I didn't come here to kill Rome. I came here to kill sin. I came here to save Rome. I came here to make enemies friends. I'm glad I'm not who you built me up to be. Look at what the Bible says. Jesus, could you imagine how, like, oh, boy. I'm about to change your name to mute, right? Like, but turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Boy, listen up. This is the same thing that God does with Job. When Job begins to question God, God goes, were you there when I created everything? Were you there when I spoke it all into existence? Were you there when I just said it and it happened? Be quiet. Your expectation is wrong. Your expectation of yourself and your views and how, what you think should happen is too high. Let's have a correction. Look at what he says to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. I wonder for how many of us were in our disappointment right now, and we're looking at God, and we're wagging our finger, and we say, you should be better. And he says, you have your things on the things of man and not on the things of God. I have come here to make all things new. I have come here to correct all of this. And just because I'm not doing it in the way that you think I should, doesn't mean I'm not doing it in the right way. Because it's not about what, it's about who. I've rescued you. I've redeemed you. I've saved you. And so 
at the end of our day, at the end of our life, our only expectation should be that the Lord will do what is perfectly good and perfectly best. And so when he does it, we what? Continue to love him and continue to trust him. Because that's exactly what Jesus showed us to do. I'm disappointed in God. This is the answer. My expectation's wrong. Because how many of us in our lives have experienced something of great trial and tribulation and you were mad and you were sick of God and you couldn't read his word and you couldn't pray? Maybe you're there right now. But then, five years down the road, you look back and go, hey, I'm sorry. I saw what you were doing there. I'm sorry that I, I talked to you like that. See, because here's the thing. Notice that Jesus doesn't just kill him, Peter, because of his disrespect. Right? Why? Because Jesus' expectation of Peter's right. This is how you're going to act. This is what's going to happen. And so what do we do? St. Thomas Aquinas said this. Grace builds on nature. It is hard human nature to feel anger, sadness, hurt, fear, and other painful emotion with life when life confronts us with disappointment. It is our human nature to not want to be so vulnerable. But when life puts us in such a vulnerable place, God's grace gives us a solution. Do what Jesus did. Express the feelings. Turn with trust to the Father and choose to keep on loving and serving. This is the solution that makes us vulnerable. Today, you might be in a place where your expectations were right and you were disappointed and you are disappointed because the world isn't the way that it should be and our relationships aren't always the way that they should be. Now, are you going to live in a prison to that or are you going to be like Jesus and choose to continue to love and continue to trust? Maybe you feel that way in your relationship with God right now. God's just too disappointed in me. You know what's crazy? When Jesus went to the cross for us, everything that we would ever do was on his mind. You were on his mind. All of your disappointments, all of the ways you never measured up, all of the ways you're going to fall short. And he still got on that tree. And he chose it. He chose to get up there. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you more than his disappointment. And so I don't know where you are in your life, where disappointment is wrecking your life. But this is an opportunity for God to put you into the furnace, to refine you, to move you forward. How and what you do with this disappointment is up to you today. And so maybe for the very first time, you feel like I, I've never believed in Jesus. I don't know what to do with him. He, he's probably too disappointed in me. You, you should see the things that I my rap sheet is pretty big. Yeah, he knows. And he got on a tree. And he offered salvation. Because the moment that we believe that we've sinned too much, it makes our sin bigger than God. That's the wrong expectation. Jesus is the killer of sin. And maybe today you've got a relationship, you've got something going on, and you need to choose to forgive. You need to choose to to love that person and love yourself enough to forgive. Forgive isn't letting people off the hook. 
Forgiving is you letting go of needing things to be retributed. The apology. Because you're going to let that go and let God deal with it. And you're going to trust that he is. And so as I pray and we're going to sing, I want you to respond as the Lord leads. Maybe you need to come down here and pray. Maybe you need to do the exact thing. You need to express your disappointment to God. I'm disappointed. I thought this would be different. I thought life would be different. I thought by now we'd have kids. I thought by now I'd have a house. I thought by now I'd be married. I thought by now, whatever. He's not afraid of your disappointment, but he wants to shape your mind and your soul to something new. Thank you for jumping into today's message, and we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you, and please let us know any ways that we can be praying for you. But finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our supporters and those who give generously to make all that we have and do here at Bedrock happen. If you'd like to support us, you can do that really quickly by texting 84321 with any amount and setting up text to give, or you can give on our website. Thank you once again for all that you do, and we hope to see you soon.